Hello and welcome back to our podcast. This week we are looking at the role women play in politics across Africa and female political activism. Female political involvement across Africa is very important with many African states having a higher representation of women in political positions than the global average. This leads us to ask what are the factors that have contributed to these states having a comparatively more representative government and parliaments. It is also important to note the women acting independently of political institutions who play such an imperative role in political activism and advancing gender equality and representation throughout the political world. This is why in this episode we will be diving into the, the role of women in the political sphere before, during and after colonialisation along with looking into a South African case study. In order to look at women's political position across the continent of Africa in the modern day, we need to look at culture, history and heritage, in particular the cultural position of women pre-colonisation. It's interesting to look at the societal makeup of countries across Africa before the development of the colonisers. Largely, colonisation had damaging effects on gender relationships, across Africa. Across the continent, each individual country had their own identity and culture before the patriarchy turned these on the head. For the majority, gender roles were complementary, meaning that women and men had equal footings in their communities. Women had held high and powerful positions in African society. If you look at history, women were often the rulers of their tribes, equal to their husbands. Queen Alini of Ethiopia, who lived between 1450 and 1522, had a lasting impact on Ethiopia's cultural and political history. She commanded power and respect across Ethiopian society. So was colonisation the only factor that altered gender representation in Africa? No, in fact, religion also played an impact in altering the position and influence of women in African society. Muslim countries across Africa transformed into more structured societies, meaning that women shifted to, war, to more subordinate roles, like being a mother, wife and devoted to the family. Through both the influence of colonisation and religion, patriarchal society limited the opportunity for women, creating a shift away from previous complementary gender roles in favour of a more structured, tiered society. Although colonialism had differing effects across the continent, it generally had a negative impact on gender relations in many regions and communities. Women became disadvantaged compared to men and saw a decline in their social status in society, as well as their economic independence. Meanwhile, men were given control over women and took on more dominant and powerful roles in society. African women were economically exploited through the removal of their land rights. Whilst men were sent to work in urban areas and earn wages, most women were restricted to domestic settings and rural areas, though men were seen as the head of the household. In this position, men were empowered in the political system, whilst women were disregarded. Due to the arrival of cash crafts in parts of Africa, a lot of women were also excluded from the global marketplace, despite working in this industry. The shift in gender relations caused by colonialism resulted from the patriarchal and capitalist systems imposed on African communities by the European colonizers. During the colonization of Africa, 
the process of industrialization and the introduction of capitalism into Europe had taken place, which had an adverse effect on European women's rights as they were considered inferior to men. Patriarchy was a fundamental part of colonization as it altered most, if not all, areas of society, including political institutions. This in turn had an adverse effect on the rights of women across the continent, especially concerning their political participation. Women were excluded from important decisions as, as a result of their lowered societal status. Capitalism had a similar effect as the removal of their financial independence meant that women had little to no power and subsequently had little influence on political matters. How did women react to these changes? So women in Africa were not passive to the changes from colonialism. In some areas, such as Nigeria, they set up market women's associations. Many women adapted to the new imposed systems by creating opportunities for themselves, allowing them to earn more income in different ways from before colonialism. Importantly, women were heavily involved in resistance campaigns against colonialism, playing significant but unacknowledged roles in the development of, Af of the African nationalist ideology and formation of political parties. This demonstrates that despite being disempowered by the colonial systems, women were still politically active. Colonialism affected the standing of women within African society as it placed them in the social standing expectations of the colonizers. Therefore, women started to experience oppression and social inequality on the basis of an external force. Decolonization and the subsequent shifts to other political regimes had changed the views and social norms of women in many countries. Pinky Mukujiwe states that a differential characteristic of African feminism compared to Western feminism is that it does not accept separatism from men. It focuses on the liberation of all African people. However, it's important to understand that there are many strains of African feminism due to differences between each country. Across the continent, there is a number of nations that led the world in representation of women in parliament. The ability of 17 out of 70 legislative bodies being headed by women can be attributed to gender quotas. The mix of reserve seats and quota systems for women in legislative bodies includes women in the process of legislating for gender equality. Bauer argued that increased female presence has been largely used by single party regimes, leaving the greater inclusion of women to appear as a tool to increase support rather than to make fundamental differences. The greater inclusion of women in decision-making processes allows for a greater chance of changing unequal gender laws and repressive gender systems. And it allows for women to make decisions based on experience, rather than mostly male legislative guessing at key issues. Some examples of female activism is the Ugandan Women's Network established in 1993 it's one example of increased women's involvement in collective action to achieve greater gender equality. The network focuses on justice and empowerment, which includes advocating for greater emphasis to be placed on gender and equal trade policies. And to increase and maintain the presence of women at the top of African politics. Another example of collective female activism is the Lakoja State House located in Nigeria, which hosted workshops in which Nigerian women of all backgrounds would meet to discuss political issues and concerns. 
Trapp argues that the changes in female participation in Africa are a product of disruptions in gender relations that are unique to countries facing conflict. However, they make the admission that not all wars make a change in the status of women and these shifts occurred over time. Trapp also identifies that the changes in female participation include increased domestic mobilisation of women and the changing attitudes of international gender norms as well as the pressure applied by institutions like the United Nations. What country has the highest female representation? So Rwanda has the highest percentage of women in their parliament in the world, standing at around 61% and they occupy half of the seats in the cabinet. Rania Abu Zaid attributed this to human, human casualties during the Rwandan genocide being predominantly male. So it was an essentially out of necessity that women picked up the role. However, Rwanda is an example of how despite greater female presence in a parliament, this does not necessarily always translate to a greatly liberalized country. Rwanda still struggles with gender inequality in the private sphere where patriarchal structures are still strong. One country that has had significant progress in equality within politics has been South Africa. The role of South African women in politics has increased since the end of apartheid through policy changes and organisations set up to enable women's rights. This was shown in the 2020 Interparliamentary Union Map of Women in Politics, which illustrated how South Africa is currently ranked 10th in the world with 46.3% of women in the lower single house and 38.9% of women in the upper house or senate highlighting that over the more recent years, more women in Africa, specifically South Africa, are now in charge of portfolios traditionally held by men. Zipporah Musal for the UN Africa Renewal magazine argued that the two main obstacles preventing women from participating fully in political life are structural barriers where discriminatory laws and institutions still limit a woman's ability to run for office, and the second are capacity gaps which occur when women are less likely than men to have an education, contacts and resources needed to become effective leaders. Despite this, in June 2019, South African President Cyril Ramaphosa announced that women would now make up half of South Africa's cabinet for the first time in the country's history. Whilst many South Africans applauded the announcement at the time, critics say Ramaphosa recycled the same style of political leaders, arguably from the same generation. How effective has her cabinet been since her appointment? Arguably, some say it's too early to say. However, an article from CNN suggests that while it's commendable for governments to strive for gender balance, political appointments should be based on merit and performance. Zalani Dube, a political analyst from Durban, told CNN that many of the women that the president announced for his cabinet had been there for many decades. An example of this is Nkosa Zana Glamini Zuma, who at 71 years old is one of South Africa's most powerful politicians and has held a variety of ministerial posts since 1994 and is currently in the cabinet as Minister of Cooperative Governance and Traditional Affairs. This emphasises the idea that despite there being an increase in women in the cabinet, the women appointed tended to share the same political views as their male counterparts, thus not causing significant change within the cabinet. Sunizile Umlabo Nkuka, who is a South African politician and currently serving as the executive director of UN Women recently said in an interview that South Africa has a steep road ahead but the growing proportion of women ministers is encouraging as by having more women in politics 
This leads to more inclusive decisions and can change people's image of what a leader should look like. To conclude, one can suggest that having a significant percentage of women in the South African cabinet has been positive as it gives younger females something to aspire to, that they too can be part of change. However, if the cabinet is not filled with young women with an alternative outlook on how South Africa is supposed to be governed in this age, significant progress cannot be made. Through this podcast, we have looked at both the historic and current significance of the female role within African politics. From how colonialisation, conflict and religion reframed the way women were view, viewed to the way activists are working to change this. And how regardless of any of this, African states still have political representation that is far more gender inclusive than many Western states. We hope we have shed some light on this topic and join us next week where we will continue to look at topics regarding women across Africa. Thank you for listening.